All right, and we are back. The Mavs Podcast, episode 33. 33. Um, yeah. Whew. We are slugging through this season. <laughs> <laughs> Two and 12. Two oh, and 12. boy. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. where do we begin? Let's see. Let's start with the big news of the week. Uh, we have signed Antonius Cleveland to a two-way deal. Did you hear about this? I did not hear about this. This is kind of breaking news to me. Yeah. It's so breaking. Nobody knows who this guy is. And I don't even think anybody really cares much. I think uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a good news story. Keep going. Essentially, essentially he's a wing. Uh, signed off a G League roster. I think it was the Warriors G League roster, and he played uh-huh. summer league for Portland. Okay. And um, he's essentially going to fill up some minutes for uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, who's been out. So okay. And then they cut uh, the guy I actually right liked, uh, Gian Clavel. Um, oh, R. Kelly himself, because yeah. uh, I guess they needed a roster spot. So that's too bad. I really like John's uh, shooting form, his stroke. Maybe they'll re-sign him, you know, one of those things. But, uh, yeah, so that is not really important, important <laughs> math news for you. <laughs> they're trying. They're making some roster moves. You know? Yeah, I mean, they are. might as well run some different guys out there. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, that's it. Another week of uh, Goose Egg and Ofer. Yeah, week. yeah. Uh, you went to the Cavs game, right? I did, yeah. I got to see the Mavs and the Cavs up close. And uh, it was really interesting. A couple a couple of observations from being at that game. All right. That was that was the first game all season that Nerland's Noel had a DNP coach's decision. Like, just never got off the bench. Gosh. Yeah. And a couple interesting things is, first of all, out of the uh, locker room at halftime, I kind of – I was sitting there and I was like, wow, we, we haven't seen Nerland's Noel yet. And so I think it's a bad sign that I'm not sitting there going, God, can we get Nerland's in there? I mean, can, can he help? I mean, let's, let's get him in – like – it did not even cross my mind that he hadn't played yet. But that's he was a, out that's there. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And he was out there, but he was out there chatting up Sala Mejri, and they were kind of, they looked like they were talking basketball. I mean, they were kind of pointing to the court and positions on the floor. So yeah, yeah. I actually thought it was a good sign that he was so much engaged in the game. He was not at all like sulking and just kind of keeping to himself. He was talking to the guy playing in front of him because Mesley yeah. played quite a bit in that game. And, and I thought Mesley played really well in a game where, you know, ultimately the Mavericks kind of got killed inside by the combination of Kevin Love and uh, Jeff Green, uh, right. which is not a formidable front line, but it was enough to enough to beat up uh, the Mavericks' front line that night. But, yeah. You know, so again, kind of good thing, bad thing, because there's a bad thing that I just it never even crossed my mind that oh, Nerlens could help in this situation. But right. good thing I thought that just from a body language standpoint, he didn't look like he was sulking and just kind of not wanting to be there. He definitely still looked in it. So that's 
That's a good sign, even if it never comes to anything for the Mavericks. I mean, I don't know. You, you hate to see a guy go down the road like a like a Rondo went, where you know if it's not the perfect situation, he doesn't he doesn't want to play, and, and he's just sort of out of it. And you know, you know, Rondo's career pretty much ended coming to the Mavericks. You know, he never went anywhere after this. Even though he, yeah, he had jobs, but he's not really doing anything. You know? Yeah. I think that's fair. He had a little stint in Sacramento where he kind of lit it up for a couple of weeks, but yeah, it's just, yeah, I think it officially died in Dallas. Uh, might have unofficially died in Boston before he was traded, but uh, that's true. Yeah, that's that's a tangent. I not to talk about Nerlens every week, but we only have so many things to talk about. Um, I will. It, it is interesting. I think listening to all the chatter. Um, about the situation, I think the conundrum becomes if he does suck, per se, like maybe that is the true reason. He's just not playing well. Um, you should still play him to see if he could develop. And that has not been happening. It's In fact, it's like you said, it's it's gotten worse. And on top of it, you know, there have been a couple times where you're right. He's like, oh, I'm keeping my head up. Oh, I'm going to take advantage of opportunities. Oh, I know I'm good. You know, I'm paraphrasing some of his quotes from the past 10 days or so. But in the end, I'm starting to wonder, and I don't mean to be offensive here, but I'm starting to wonder if he's just not that smart of a guy. You know, <laughs> every, every once in a while you get these athletes and um, they're like, Generally, you know, you just have to be on an average level. But if you're below average and you just don't get things, like that just riding my athletic ability stick can play itself out. And I wonder if it's one of those things where he just doesn't understand, you know, he obviously doesn't understand contract negotiations. You know, he doesn't understand the landscape to leave, <laughs> right? And now it's yeah. like I wonder, I wonder if they're in a situation where he just – it's like, okay, it's, you know, like eight months he's been with the team and he just doesn't understand the offense or the defense. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that will drive a coach crazy. It's like you can miss the shot, but you got to know where you should be, you know? Yeah, no, I, you know, you see that a lot. I mean, I just coaching Division three basketball, I mean, I saw that sometimes with kids when they go from high school to college is, they'd come in and think they could just get away. You know, kids that are kind of athletic in D3, you don't see a ton of like high level athletes, but you do from time to time. So they come in and they try to just do the same things they did in high school where they're in bad position, but they're so much faster than everybody else that they'll, they'll make the steal or they'll make a block or whatever. And you can see that when there was Noel. I mean, he's a, He's an incredible athlete, but I think you're right, is that that's only going to get you so far on the highest level. Yeah. And it's keeping him employed, I think, without a doubt. But, yeah, I think Rick Carlisle, I mean, you've seen it in some of the articles that have been written, and you've seen it on the court a little bit. It's like he'll make plays sometimes, but are they plays that don't necessarily need to be made, and they're plays that are a result of him being in bad position? Yeah. You know, people used to talk about that with Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, you know, oh, my God, you see this diving play, this diving play. And then the analytics guys would be like, yeah, because he's slow. Yeah, because yeah. he's out of position. Like, he's, yeah. that's his last-ditch effort to get to that ball, whereas 
a better shortstop would, would make it a routine play and, and not the spectacular thing that Derek Jeter would do. Um, and it's almost, I think you make a good point there, is that it might just be he's not able to kind of develop any further than I'm this super athletic guy and I'm, I'm going to make plays, but I can't really work within a system. Yeah. You know, because whether it's, you know, intelligence or just discipline, and maybe those go hand in hand, but yeah, he seems to be struggling. And Carlisle's a guy that certainly demands that of people. You know, Rondo is almost the opposite story where he thought he was too smart. Yeah. He didn't, you know, he was, all these stories are written about what a genius he is, and that may be true, but he thought he knew better than everyone else. Yep. So, yep. And uh, then, yeah, uh, great point. Yeah, which kind of leads me to two two thoughts. Uh and I might have mentioned this first one before, but how how poorly built is this Mavs roster? I mean, it's literally like it's like five point guards and eight centers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why this Cleveland guy, whoever he is, I'm like, "Great, let's play a guy on the wing." Let's see something and, different, you know? You know, I I mean, I'm all about assets and best player available and all that stuff. I get it. But, you know, just reflecting on the roster and it's like, like, okay, I guess the Josh McRoberts trade was for salary cap space this year, next year. Um, he's not going to play. There's there's a Withy, Jeff Withy's on the team. Yeah. Um you know, we've got Powell, we've got Noel, we've got Measury, we've got Dirk. It's just like all these centers in a league that doesn't need centers, you know, anymore. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. It, I, I'm really loyal to the triangle of trust that they have, Cuban, Donnie, and Rick. And I'm just kind of like, I just, I think for the first time this week, I'm just like, why why don't we sign KJ McDaniels? You know, why don't we sign like yeah. there's just some wings out there that I would just enjoy watching play some defense or be coached up. And you know, Rick can only play two centers a game and I get that. And it's essentially Dirk and whoever's playing well and it's been measury as of late. And I don't know. It is it's, it's yeah. just one of those things where you're just like what were they thinking? <laughs> no, we're we are we're the guy in the fantasy football league with like five tight ends, right? And it's like, yeah, right. He's a pretty good tight end, but you can't play him every week. Like, why? Exactly. And then and, I look, I look at yeah. Boston. Or you know, I was complaining a lot last draft at why didn't we buy a second round pick? And then they're like, oh, Jonathan Motley. Oh, he's like a second rounder. What's the problem? And I'm like, Boston went in there and got uh, the kid from SMU, Ojale. Yeah, Demi Ojale, who was spectacular in college. And he was playing awesome last night against the Warriors. And he's a wing. He's a great-looking wing that plays good defense, that could really develop. And it's like, where were we? And here's the deal. If it was all about this grand tanking plan, okay, which I'm, I'm in support of, Ojale would not affect wins. He would actually get you excited, like, okay, picked up a little gem in the second round here. This is good stuff. And right now, I would trade Noel for Ojale right now. Like, let's just trade him. 
<laughs> right back oh, to Boston, God. where if he's they, from. If they would, yeah. if they would give him up. If they would give up Ojale for Noel, I, yeah, I'd do that in a second. Yeah, and so that leaves me on my last point. Um, I mean, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty irritated with, with. I, I, I should not be right. That's that's where it comes down to. You know, I'm just a fan, and it's just like, why, why? Like we would have gone in, bought a second rounder, picked Ojale. Um, and I just wouldn't have had eight centers on my roster. Those have been my two big moves of the summer, and I think I would have been, we would have been better off. And that's very frustrating to me because it's like, it's like Jason Garrett and the Cowboys all over again. You're just like we've, we basically don't have a coach. We we have no coach. <laughs> it's right. like we're just we're just hoping that like that's what made Romo so great is Romo realized it. And he was just like, yeah, I'm an audible because you guys don't know what you're doing, and we're good. And Romo was our coach. And now that we've lost that, it's just uh, – I, I I don't want to get to that point, but I'm, I'm getting closer to that point with the Mavericks because the roster construction, it's not making a lot of sense. Well, and so, just to expand upon your, your point there is that with the Cowboys, now they're totally reliant on a second-year quarterback to make make a lot of plays. Yeah. And the, the Mavericks, I, I have a lot more faith, and I think you do too, Carlisle over Garrett. But, yeah, I think we, you know, in a lot of these games, it comes down to, well, is Dennis Smith Jr. going to make some plays? As, right. You know? this rookie point guard and hey he's doing great like if you tune in to watch the Mavs watch him watch Harrison Barnes they're doing the best they can but yeah I mean watching them in person last week it's like it you're just kind of hoping against hope and in Cleveland just I mean they're terrible defensively and it really came down to can the Mavericks just kind of knock down some open shots and make a couple plays uh, down the stretch to win that game, and they couldn't, you know. And especially yeah. on the other end, they could also just go to go to LeBron. But uh, that's you know, that's a game that you, you hope down the line the Mavericks can can figure out a way to win. But you're right, like looking at the roster, it's like ah, who's going to make that play? Gosh, you know, and it's yeah, it's, it's hard to see that right now. Yeah, I really like. Um... You know, I really like Harrison Barnes. More and more I watch him. You know, I think he's just, he's so coachable. He's growing every year. He's still young. I think he's a great piece. You know, and Dennis Smith Jr., uh, he's definitely who you come out to watch. And, uh, which is great because, you know, Dirk is not playing like he used to play. And it's just, it's good to have some excitement in the game. I think, uh, segueing a little bit, and the Dennis Smith's development, you know, he's he's just got such a calm and coolness to him. I really appreciate that, especially comparing him to the other 19-year-old point guard, Lonzo Ball, who's who's really choked a lot this year so far. And I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player. I still like Lonzo as a you know potential-wise, but Dennis Smith Jr. has got great poise. Now he's you know he's 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 got a lot to learn. I mean, he had pl- I think he had six or seven turnovers against the Spurs. He um, he sometimes just beats beats the ball to death as a point guard. You know, uh, but yeah. 
gosh, where's he going to be in two months? You know, I just feel like if Rick keeps working on him, it's it's only going to improve. Like, I definitely believe in Rick's ability to develop him. Um, I definitely want him to turn the corner, though, from, like, Russell Westbrook starter kit to something more like point guardy, like a Mike Conley or something, you know? Yeah, and I think that's going to be the interesting thing this season. It's, you know, two things going on with the Mavericks is not only are we – just, you know, we talk about the roster composition. This isn't a great team, but also the schedule early on this season. And we'll get to kind of the week ahead here in a few minutes, but it's just been brutal. And just yeah. one good team after another. So I think the interesting thing with this team is as the season goes on, I think Dennis Smith Jr.'s improvement and Harrison Barnes' improvement as, as they go through the season, I think that's that's going to help this team. And maybe Dorian Finney-Smith coming back, I think that's going to boost them. But also the schedule is going to get a little easier. So I yeah. think if you're a Mavericks fan and you're kind of, you know, maybe tuned out right now, I think they're going to get you a little bit excited as the season goes on because the schedule will soften up because they have to play their full schedule. And there's some yeah. bad teams ahead. And um, with the team's improvement, I, I think, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how things come along. And, and I think it'll be good because as that translates to wins, you have a better chance with a young point guard to get them on board with doing things the right way. Whereas when it's just, well, we're going to lose again, you know, at the end of the Spurs game the other night, he just kind of took it himself the last four or five possessions. Yeah. And, I think, and I think he scored on most of them, you know, and got up to maybe 27 points, you know, yep. kind of an early career high, but you know, that's not the way, you know, to your point about being a Russell Westbrook starter kid, it's like none of those shots were, okay, this is a game winner. You know, it's just kind of yeah. desperation. Can we get right. back in this game sort of stuff? Right. He could have easily had like 18 points, and I think he had 27 points on like 26 shots or something absurd. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, not the efficient game you want to see. Um, but it, it doesn't worry me, like you said, because it's just like he's only going to get better. He's got a great attitude. He works hard. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this season is mirroring very closely to last seasons where I think last season we got Seth Curry back around December 20th, December 19th, and the math kind of went on a run. You know, they inserted him in the starting lineup, and um, Seth just added the playmaking they needed. And so if he can come back healthy um, in the next – I don't know, four to six weeks. I'm not saying we're going to, we're not, we're still in the lottery, but, um, you know, look, San Antonio game was competitive. The Cleveland game was competitive. I'm happy if the games are competitive. That's all I want. I want to see my guys compete and I see, I want to see them get better. And then, you know, full circle, that's, that's what makes the Maryland situations situation a little frustrating. I'm just like, well, if we're not going to develop them, can we get, like, can we just, like, he's from Boston. I know they think, I know Brad Stevens can fix anybody. <laughs> flip, flip him for two second rounders, right? Why not? Yeah, and at this point, it might just be one second rounder, but I think that's the direction it's headed. Is yeah, I'm, I would be get fine. some second rounder. I would be fine with that. Look, we took a gamble. We didn't risk much. Um, and honestly, like, you never hear about Justin Anderson. <laughs> it's just like... It would be nice to have a wing right now. That would be it. But we would be we would have so much more hope from Justin Anderson right now than than anybody in Philadelphia does. You know, 
Oh, yeah. And we said it last year when they made the trade that we liked Justin Anderson, but we also didn't think that it was someone that, God, this is a guy we're going to build a championship team around. It was just a guy that was nice to have on the roster. And that's probably what he'll be in Philly because they have, I mean, you know, Embiid with what he showed this week and then Simmons before. I mean, they've had a very bright future. And I think he's going to be a really nice piece for them as they become, you know, kind of championship ready. Yeah. I think Justin Anderson is like a Corey Brewer type player. He is going to play 10 years. He's going to have a few moments where you're just like, because he's an amazing athlete. And, um, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, right. that's, that's enough. That's great. And yeah. that's a solid first round pick. But he's not a he's not a building block. He's not. I I don't think he's a starter on a championship team at all. So, yeah, you know, yeah. And so, yeah. So that's our. So that's what we're hoping now. Six months later, that we could flip Nerlens for a second. (laughs) (laughs) He was. We were so giddy at the trade deadline. And uh, it's come to this, but I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe something happens. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's nothing's going to happen until the trade deadline. So a lot of games between now and then to see if he can show anything of promise. That's true. All uh, right. So the week ahead. Week ahead. So tonight, if you're in the Dallas area, you can go see the very exciting young Minnesota Timberwolves as they are in town. And then tomorrow night, uh, another young and exciting team, the Milwaukee Bucks, will be here. So pretty tough back-to-back. And let's go ahead and make it three games in four nights with the now 14 straight game winning Boston Celtics in town. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. That is a <laughs> murderer's row. Yeah, you got those three in four nights and then – the night before Thanksgiving, you go at Memphis, and I was and Memphis has been pretty good. Yeah, but I I was thinking to myself, that's probably the most winnable game of these four. We we beat them. We almost beat them twice. Yeah, so. right, right. That's, that's why I'm that's like, a crazy well, okay, We're kind of competitive against that team for whatever reason. Yeah, for whatever. Oh, I'll tell you the reason. It's because they play a, a traditional center. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's so it. Can run. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. They don't just run us off the floor. Yeah, so, um, well, yeah, that that's probably a good segue to betting corner this week. <laughs> yeah, okay, here we go, the betting corner. How's that looking? Uh, well, I would just say bet against the map. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was your betting corner. Brought to you by, oh, we'll get, we'll get a sponsor. We'll get a sponsor. Simple. Yeah, we don't need a sponsor. But, uh, yeah, betting corner is uh, the Mavs are going to go 0-3 this week. <laughs> so just wrap up the money line, whatever it is. All right. All right. You know, just take your money line parlay. And, uh, well, that's that's the tip of the week. Okay. I'm just going to share what I've learned about betting. The money line is essentially when you just pick the winner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not necessarily great odds. So sometimes if it's like a Golden State game, you bet 10 bucks and you win like a dollar. Right. But guess what? It's generally a guaranteed dollar, right? <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great yeah. point. And so the money line parlays are a fun way where you look at 
two or three what you deem surefire wins. Yeah. So, you know, generally you look at who Chicago and Dallas and maybe Sacramento or Atlanta are playing. And if it's a powerhouse, like let's say Boston, Atlanta, or, you know, I don't know, Golden State versus Chicago. You just said Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta sucks. Oh, but you said Boston. like Boston versus Atlanta. Okay, okay. Yeah. So if you see like a, like let's say one night it's Boston versus Atlanta and Golden State versus Sacramento or something, you go in and you bet both of them in a parlay, which means both have to win for you to win, but your odds increase. Okay. Right, right. So maybe, maybe you bet $10 and the win out is $4. (laughs) Again. Guarantee four dollars. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I, I bring it up because it's a little tip to just kind of yeah. you know, make some easy money in a year where there there are some there are definitely some matchups that are guaranteed. Now, I had I had did have some fun the other night and uh, bet on a late night game. Uh, actually, I took the Sixers twice last week. Um, once against the Lakers and once against uh, the Clippers, and I won both matchups. Oh, nice! Yeah, nice. they were favored. They were favored by five and a half against each team, and they beat each team by six. So, Ooh, wow! Yeah, yeah. That'll keep your interest. Not really. I went to bed and okay. I woke up, right. and I was like, "Oh, I won." <laughs> so, <laughs> so it did not keep my interest, but you right. know. Okay. I'm trying here. I'm trying. I think everyone out there should Google, uh, go to YouTube and check out Christopher Walken's uh, Trivial Psychic from an old episode of Saturday Night Live. Okay. That, that's what your betting recap just reminded me of. Uh, <laughs> I've not seen it, but I'm going okay. to check it out. Yeah, yeah, you should check that out because it is just, he's a psychic, but about very trivial matters. And I think mm. your betting strategy is kind of along those lines. Where it's like, yeah. Hey, just bet sure winners, and you win yeah. a couple bucks. Hey, that's two dollars. That's like, right. All right well, I mean, the next day you're going to Starbucks, and you're like, it's like free coffee. It's like you know, free coffee. Yeah, free coffee. It's it's the little wins in this morbid season that just kind of kind of keep you going. You know. <laughs> well, okay. Let's take a break from a little math talk because I got okay. the Cleveland Cavaliers up front last Saturday. Okay. A little and around the NBA. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And they're missing Isaiah Thomas. They're missing Tristan Thompson. They're missing Derrick Rose. Oh, boy. Yeah. But that team sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, LeBron. How's Wayne Wade look? How's Wayne Wade look? Terrible. Wayne oh, Wade, man. I mean, he has very little left at this point. Really? And really, just in general, like, their offense is so stagnant. They don't really do anything. It's a lot of, yeah, I mean, and and defensively, I mean, they are horrible. So it's really yeah. going to be interesting to see what they do in the Easter Conference because, I mean, I think this year more than ever, I could see them losing early on. I mean, wow. you get those three guys back, and Isaiah Thomas is great on offense, bad on defense. And then Derek Rose and Tristan Thompson. I mean, I'd say Tristan Thompson's the exact opposite. Good on defense, bad on offense. Yeah. Derek Rose, I don't know what he really brings to the table at this point. You know, kind of like, yeah. kind of like Dwayne Wade, probably some flashes, but nothing more than that. And right. I, yeah, this team, it's like 
that kind of in that game, Kevin Love had a great game, and they were able to build a little bit of a lead. But then because they're so bad on defense, I mean, the Mavs just hit some shots and get got right back into it. Yeah. And then near the end, luckily they're able to go pick and roll with you know whoever is guarding LeBron and Dirk, and then they just ended up with this isolation LeBron one on one versus Dirk a couple times. And I mean LeBron's taking pretty much anyone in the league one on one, but I mean yeah. a forty year old Dirk, he's absolutely taking. And yeah, he was able to convert a couple times and game over. Yeah, and, and, that's and so it. in close games. Like they've got the they've got that trump card of we got LeBron right yeah but if you can build a lead against them and, and you know if you can get it going I, I think they would really struggle to kind of come back against the team and and really rally against a good team so I mean I know they beat Boston opening night and you had the Hayward injury that night but it's going to be really interesting the next time those two teams match up because I think Boston has made a ton of progress and they're just going to keep getting better as the season goes on. Yeah. I mean, they look good last night against the Warriors. So, um, okay. I got a couple trades to fix Cleveland. Okay. 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 Let's say, let's say this is morphing into the Cavs podcast instead of the Mavs cotton podcast here, but the, uh, I might've even mentioned this before. Uh, let's say OKC's 500 at the break, at the trade yeah. line. Yeah. Paul George for Kevin Love. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Cavs would do it in a second. Yeah. And uh, I, wouldn't OKC do it? Um, They've got Russell. kind of keep somebody so you're not getting, like, something for nothing. I, I guess That's right. like Paul George doesn't just walk. Yeah, I yeah. think you might. Yeah, and and, like, it might be and a Russell, yeah. well, and Russell Westbrook and him played together at UCLA. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and so I mean, Westbrook wouldn't be totally unhappy because you know they could put him in inside because right now they've got basically three wings with uh, him, Carmelo, and uh, Paul George, and yeah, they. Basically, Russell Westbrook's like, all right, I got, I got my guy here for at least I got another, you know, player here for another year. Because if they're 500, they were going to lose Paul George, you know. That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good trade. I think some talk about that could heat up if Oklahoma City struggles. Yeah, and then on the other side, you know, the Cavs get Paul George to make a run. And if Isaiah Thomas is back, I mean, Paul George plays good defense, so that that could help. That, I think, you know, and if they're both going to the Lakers, um, I don't know. I just feel like that's that's potentially, uh, I don't know, maybe they if they could win enough with the Cavs, they just sign there for a year and just stay yeah. one more year, you know? I think I think it's a pretty reasonable trade. Yeah, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, what else? Well, you said they you could go. They could go the other way and just uh, trade LeBron. You know, Whoa. Let's just get this over with. Whoa! Right? He well, must you have know, a no trade clause, right? Yeah, he does. But then it's kind of like, hey, we'll trade you the Lakers for like Julius Randle and two second rounders or something. But it's he like, must. But okay, LeBron <laughs> is smart enough to have seen what happened to Carmelo. When Carmelo well, and was about to be a free agent. And the Lakers, too. But they're yeah. already getting rid of Julius Randle. And 
I don't know. I mean, the other move is just to clear house, you know, trade Kevin Love, trade Tristan Thompson, trade LeBron James, you know, just just clear house. Yeah, <laughs> just, I, yeah get some, try to get something for these guys instead yeah, of being, get, get another, from now. If they yeah. could get, if they could somehow, you know, with like multiple trades, get another mid to early first round pick next year in next year's draft that is really yeah. good. Um, hey, man, I mean... If the, I, I think, you know, LeBron James could play victim to the Cavs, which he loves to do. And then the, the Cavs will have Brooklyn's pick, maybe another first, and then their first. And then, um, they could re-sign Isaiah Thomas if he gets healthy. And, um, they have Jake Crowder. I mean, they would essentially turn into the Celtics from two years ago, but with a bad coach. So. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah. So really, that's that's actually a yeah, almost perfect analogy. <laughs> so that wouldn't be a bad scenario for those guys, you know. Yeah, I'd be really surprised if they accelerated that. I, I don't know. Everyone thinks it's coming no matter what. Like it's inevitable that right. You know, a year from that, Cleveland's just going to be a shell of itself, and so. You know, if the ownership there or, you know, has any inkling that like this is going to happen, I can, I, I still see them maybe just hanging on and being like, let me get all that playoff revenue because the next five years are just going to be awful. Yeah. I mean, I just think that Dan Gilbert is crazy enough to do anything. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's nothing if not spiteful and a little bit crazy, right? Right. So, and so yeah, I, I would love the move. I would love the move. It'd be reminiscent of when the Jazz just traded Darren Williams. And was just <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? Screw it. Get out of here. You're not signing with us. And honestly, they, which, they, which they came respect, out ahead. I think yeah. everybody loved. Everyone was like, yeah, that's oh, yeah. a great move. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And, and so it's just like... I, I think that would be like Dan Gilbert's greatest move versus like being <laughs> being left at the altar twice by LeBron. Because the truth is, like, I, I'm not a LeBron hater. I know a lot of people are, but he doesn't make it easy on franchises. You know, she wants a lot of control. Um, I agree. I yeah. Agree. So it's it's just like, you know, I know Pat Riley would love it. <laughs> oh yeah, he'd be. Yeah, he would definitely enjoy that happening. And Pat Riley wishes he was the one who did it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably so. so. So, anyways, now we're right. way over on time here. Way but, over. Um, I guess we're we're planning for another 0-3 week, and then uh, maybe we reconvene after Thanksgiving and uh, assess the damage. Yeah, see what see where the Mavs are at at that point. See if there's any any bright spots or any uh, any progress. Maybe this new Antonius Cleveland has shown us something. Yeah, or not. <laughs> or not. <So. laughs> all right then. Okay, moving on. So, all right, I'm Al Sidham. You're Matt Sidham, and this is the Mavs Podcast. You can tweet at us at the Mavs Podcast or uh, send us an email. Uh, mavspodcast at gmail.com and uh, that's about it that's about it for you that's about it all right see you next week all right see you okay bye